Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast with me, Andy Sylvester at City AM. In a few minutes, we'll talk to Matt Smith, the CEO of RegTech outfit Steel Eye, who are attempting to change the name of the game when it comes to compliance. We'll talk financial crisis regulation, meme stocks, and managing expansion remotely through a pandemic. First, though, the headlines, and I'm afraid it's bad news from Goldman Sachs' analysts who predict a sharp slowing of global growth in 2022. The bank is predicting US, UK, and European growth will all fall short of their previous estimates this year with inflation, rising interest rates, and the supply chain crisis all disrupting what was supposed to be a smooth glide path out of the pandemic. UK manufacturing data out this morning suggested that things were not necessarily that bad, but that supply chains were still feeling the pinch, even as some suggested we were starting to move beyond that. Certainly one to watch as we head into a rates decision on Thursday. Meanwhile, the housing market has had its strongest start to the year since 2005, according to an index. Annual house price growth increased to 11.2% in January this year, accelerating from 10.4% the last month of last year, Nationwide said. It did, though, say that it's likely that the property market will slow this year. Reduced housing affordability is likely to dampen market activity and house price growth, as people's household budgets are also squeezed by the wider surge in living costs. Elsewhere, the government has reached a deal with the carbon dioxide industry to ensure UK businesses maintain access to supplies, despite previously indicating it would not make any fresh arrangements. Carbon dioxide is a key component in sectors such as food processing and nuclear power, and the deal will enable CF Fertilizer's Billingham plant to continue operating, even as wholesale gas prices remain high. Carbon dioxide, of course, is produced as a byproduct of the fertilizer manufacturing process, something that not many of us knew until about nine months ago, it has to be said. The government says the deal is in the best interests of businesses, even though it previously stated it had no intention of extending or signing new deals with the industry. A new oil and gas field in the North Sea has been approved by the UK government, a move that has prompted a damning response from environmental campaigners. The Abigail Field, which lies about 145 miles from Peterhead in Aberdeenshire, has been given the go-ahead and is set to cost about 200 million US, that's about 150 million GBP, according to Rysat Energy Data. And now we'll turn to Matt Smith, CEO of London headquartered Steelite. It's a fast-growing data analytics firm that's trying to make regulation and compliance a whole lot easier. After two decades in the industry, he certainly knows his way around financial markets. Matt, pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, why don't we talk about, I guess, the rise of what I'm going to phrase smart reg tech, doing the things that you do at Steelite with data analytics and so on? Because... There's no question that when we think about RegTech today, it's a very different space from where it was even two years ago, pre-pandemic or five years ago. Companies really ripping up their legacy systems and trying to do things a bit differently, which I guess is where you come in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, on the back of the financial crisis, regulation uh, came at um, the financial markets participants uh, with, with force. It came fast. It may not have felt so fast, but it was fast in terms of how fast these things actually uh, came to be and then were implemented and executed. And during that time, people responded in a very linear way. So, like, you, you, like as an example, if you look at some of the flows, like Dodd-Frank in the U.S., people would attack that mm-hmm. one. That was one of the first big ones off the, the financial crisis. Then you had uh, the Amir regime and MIFID, and, and, and people were tackling these uh, different regulations in stages. And as a result, um, not only were they 
they making uh, probably w- what I would deem as poor decisions. The reality is that, you know, there wasn't a lot of offers mm. out there in the market that would help them solve these things. Uh, very traditional players. I'm not going to name them out, but, you know, these are the big exchanges, venues, fintech companies charging excessively huge prices, trying to capitalize on the implementation of these regulations. And, and that really is principally and philosophically where where steel eye was born from which was mm. actually if we take a different approach using modern technology focusing on data first we could actually help financial firms solve not one regulation at a time but all the regulations or many of the regulations should i say that they're facing around the world certainly from a surveillance perspective mm. and um, we, we could do that in a way that actually helped them consolidate vendors and, and massively reduce costs but most importantly simplify their, their regulatory operations. Yeah, which is what most firms in theory are looking to do. How much has the the pandemic, moving from the financial crisis to the pandemic to kind of benchmark events, changed the way firms are thinking about regulatory compliance? Because I remember being in the City of London at the end of March last year when I was about the only person still going into the office and seeing, you know, all sorts of very high-end kit being wheeled into the back of vans and driven off to stop brokers' homes out in in Woking or in, in Buckinghamshire or wherever it might have been. And I do remember thinking, if we're about to run everything on, on Zoom via WhatsApp, that's going to yeah. be an issue when it comes to the financial regulations that we've got in place when it comes to communication and all sorts of things. Well, for sure. I mean, there's a major asset manager who's a client of ours. It's a U.S. asset manager, one of the largest on the planet. And um, when uh, the pandemic kicked off, they had capacity for 20% of their employee workforce to be able to uh, remote in, and they had to go to 100%, right? So there's a huge Mm -hmm. amount of infrastructure that needed to be implemented to support that. Um, They had teams, just as you described, um, in in India, where they had to, who only had desktops, had to buy laptops for like a thousand people and have them shipped over to them. I mean, that logistically is, is massive. Um, so they were facing that. That same firm, um, we were doing business with them. They couldn't use Zoom two days before the pandemic. And I remember like two days after the pandemic lockdown took place in the UK, uh, being sent a Zoom invite branded by this firm. Um, so suddenly this was now an approved mechanism for communication within the organization. And when you start offering technologies out that enable you to to conduct business, certainly when you're 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 dealing in the markets, you have an obligation under regulation to be able to supervise that. Mm. And and they were they as well as the pretty much the entire globe were ill equipped to do that. So there's a big shift there. Um, the other side is you know you 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 had a workforce now who is. Um, living in the cloud, yet many tech, uh, technology departments and financial firms didn't support the use of cloud within their organizations, which made mm. no sense at that point. So I think that's changed the view about like how, how people embraced newer technologies, cloud technologies, um, and uh, it, it's definitely changed the landscape. Yeah, and we've seen obviously you know penalties dished out for record keeping failures with with things like WhatsApp, which I guess has focused minds as well. The other I guess I saw you speaking recently. The other marked feature of the past twelve months, when it comes to to markets, at least, is is what's happened around market volatility, um, and what you might describe as market manipulation. If you were being um, being cynical around, you know, meme stocks, what happened on GameStop, um, and various other uh, 
stocks, which of course about a year ago now. Um, I saw you talking recently about you know a year of of uncertainty and market turbulence. That certainly counts. When you look at that, what challenges do you think that throws up for the future of of financial markets? I guess. Well, I, I mean, look, so, social media as a platform for mass communication and distribution of information or misinformation is prevalent. And we've, we've seen it influence elections. Uh, we've seen it influence all kinds of elements of society. And now we're seeing it as becoming a, a, a consistent theme when it comes to uh, how the financial markets operate. Like GameStop, as an example, you know, you had this guy, Roaring Kitty, mm. who was on Reddit, whether he was intending to or not effectively publishing research by sharing information that he believed to be true about short sellers shorting GameStop and how they were the bad guys and whether it was activism or it was market manipulation, whatever happened there, there was an artificial manipulation of the price of a share. It wasn't based on the performance of the business. It was based on mass distribution of information and actions by a population against that information. Um, and, and by the way, like in Europe, research is, is heavily regulated. And, mm. and, and here we have platforms that enable that. Um, Elon Musk, right? So you've got Elon Musk. He uh, tweets out to the market, should I sell 10% of my, my stock in, in, um, in, in Tesla? Yeah. Well, he had already done that. By the time he was he was uh, say, yeah. saying that, as, according to the information that's available in the markets, so so here he 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 does a a sell of his stock, asks the population should he sell his stock, which artificially manipulated the price of that stock, and then did he do a transaction? Now I don't know if he did or not, but if he did, to me that's market manipulation and market abuse, which is. Something that we, in theory at least, don't like at the moment, though it does, no. I must admit, make for cracking stories. Um, just before we, we wrap up, um, I want to just talk to you about, about managing a business through the past year or so, because Steel Eye has undergone extraordinary growth, I think 80%, 88% revenue growth, um, uh, clients well into the, into the hundreds now, Headquartered in the UK, but headquartered uh, offices, sorry, in in New York, Paris, uh, Bengaluru, and and Baraga. As a manager, you know, how's that been for you trying to keep pace with growth? Well, you, you know, it's 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 obviously through a pandemic is very difficult. I I, I do travel a lot. I, I travel uh, when I can legally through the pandemic mm -hmm. all around the world as we we've been growing our business. I mean, not just seeing our revenue grow by eighty eight percent. You know, we when the pandemic started, we were about thirty people. We're well over a hundred now. We're hiring another fifty seven. Um, we have our eyes set on North America, so Canada and the U.S. Mm -hmm. We um, we're, we're coming. We opened an office in Manhattan. We're hiring a bunch of people there to help. Uh, us go and and support uh, North American financial markets participants with uh, being able to benefit from the technologies that we have on on offer, which helps them reduce costs and simplify things and save money. Um, we have clients in Canada and the U.S., and you know we're we're definitely going to go after that. It's not been easy, obviously. Like you're having to work with uh, a largely remote workforce or largely remote client base. Um, but I mean, the, the, the testament to what we're doing really is around the fact that we were still able to, you know, in the first year of the pandemic, we had a 140% growth. Uh, we're still kind of seeing kind of near 90% growth and we, we expect that to continue for us. Mm. Well, um, I <laughs> share the, uh, share the issues of managing a team, albeit a smaller one of about 25, but trying to do that remotely, um, during a pandemic was certainly challenging. Matt, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
That was Matt Smith, the CEO of London headquartered SteelEye. I'm sure we'll hear more from more people tomorrow as we head into that rates rise on Thursday. But for now, that's it from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.